0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Blooming Out. I am Rachel Jones.
1: And I'm Alex Ashkin. Thank you for joining us for a new edition of Indiana's only queer public affairs radio show. We conveniently post to WFHB.org, so if you can't listen live, you can hear this and other episodes via the WFHB website.
2: Hi, I'm Frankie, and each and every week we produce a show by and for the lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, and allied community. Our listeners can always count on us to cover the most pressing issues, interesting people, and lasting events reflecting LGBTQ life in Indiana, the U.S., and across the world.
1: Tonight, we are going to take a look at a few different perspectives on the issue of HIV,
0: healthcare, and the LGBTQ community. Exactly, Alex, and don't forget we have a fantastic guest here in the studio. We are joined tonight with Nikki from the back door. Our first story tonight is a brief look at President Donald Trump's recent public statement for World AIDS Day on last Thursday, November 30th. Additionally, we'll take
1: a look at a new policy taking place in England, Wales, and Scotland, which lowers the barriers for gay men to donate blood in those countries.
0: Let's launch right into our news headlines for this week. Yep. And so
1: uh, last week uh, on Thursday, President Donald Trump made an announcement. He stated that December 1st of each year will be now known as World AIDS Day. Uh, he went on to basically extol, uh, promote the various efforts that have been done around the world to help combat the AIDS virus and help sort of contain uh, HIV infection. One of the things he mentioned is that during the HIV AIDS epidemic, more than 76 million people around the world have been infected with HIV and 35 million have died or 35 million have died from AIDS. As of 2014, 1.1 million people in the United States are living with HIV and we have to constantly be aware of that, think and pray for those people, and make sure that we do what we can to improve their lifestyle. That being said, there was some notable omissions from that speech. Uh, Queer Voices author uh, Curtis M. Wong from the Huffington Post noted that Trump more or less completely excluded the lgbtq community uh from this speech which drew some ire from various
3: communities
1: so what do you guys think about this
3: president trump is a bigot (laughs) um that i mean that's that's all there is to say i have i don't listen to him talk because it's like a handful of forks in a garbage disposal every single time um so him him excluding the lgbtq community is not at all surprising, um, it falls in line with all of his bigotry, including being anti-LGBTQ um, and being racist. Because I think that squarely kind of like puts erases erases the queer aspect of it and puts it more on a um, a race and class uh, puts the heavy, the weight on race and class, um, which uh, he hates poor people and he hates brown and black people. So like none of this is surprising to me. Yeah, but that's be
0: because honest. they're all boozers. They' all <laughs> boozers. yeah, well, who was it that said that people are poor because they oh, that was yeah, it wasn't Trump, no, it but wasn't that's Trump. the sentiment in his camp. Of, yeah. of the campaign, but you know what the the whole AIDS issue was entirely gay related it's it's fascinating now that we have a world's aids day um it's shifted more away from the LGBT community um, that were not mentioned. Um, God, you guys, there's a bright side to that too, that, that it's not just an LGBT issue anymore um, because had it been all centered on gay sex, we would have complained about that. I like to take the counterpoint to a lot sure. of these things for discussion, mm-hmm. but there's truth in that
4: and i but
3: i think i think that would be a lot more true if if he was a different person if he was somebody that gave a, even half of a damn about our community um, his you know his his vice he his vp caused an hiv outbreak in his state that he was governing so this is this is a different conversation about being excluded from someone who does have empathy for you and being excluded from someone who wants to see you eradicated from from the earth
1: I, and i think that's a you know a fair point it's sort of difficult in a lot of ways to just divorce the idea of the rhetoric of just one speech from the rhetoric both in the campaign and Trump's uh, actions as president. You know, he during the campaign, he said, you know, I, I'm going to be the best possible candidate for the LGBTQ community. And so far, I don't think anyone you know, would actively say from based off of the policy decisions that have been made so far that he is even making any inclination that he's trying to do that
0: based on his vice president. I mean, come on. I mean, it's also said that he was the quote
3: least racist person you will ever meet. So I don't know why we're even listening to anything that he says because it's all trash. It's all trash. We have to,
0: He's the guy.
2: He's the guy. Ah. But then it's a, it kind of falls back on to us to you know to make sure that to hold him accountable. We, hold him accountable, and what he's not going to talk about, that we make sure it's you know center stage. You know there were a time in the Reagan you know era when when this the outbreak happened where you know it was being ignored, and the only reason why um, it wasn't is because there are activists out there and people out there um, talking. Um, and, and, and telling us, you know, what was going on. And, and so that's our job now. Um, and we, you know, I think we, we expect that our president would, you know, stand up and, you know, talk about important issues such as, you know, AIDS, um, but it's not gonna happen. And we're gonna have to bring the truth. Mm. I, I, th-
0: I think we need an end run because I don't think we can expect this man to change. No, he's not gonna change. No. I, I, I think what we have to do is somehow Chip away at the base that is supporting him and allowing him to um, be in power, and, and and I don't I don't see him being marginalized to the degree that he to the degree that he should be by these people. He's still the friend of the poor, and um, I, these are the people we had. Abe Lincoln said, "What what what." I paraphrase everything wrong, you guys. But basically, <laughs> if, if, if you want to change society, you don't do it through legislation. You do it through public sentiment. Exactly. And, and we have to change the sentiment somehow.
3: Oh, I can absolutely attest to that. And I think... Uh, we do live in a town that is is pretty good at it. We have a lot of faults and it's uh liberal to a fault but uh, this is a town that if you build it they will come and if you kind of start a movement if you can if you can maintain it which is, is the tricky part uh, you will bring people around and so doing that you know on a local level I think can start translating to a national level. We just have to keep boosting the the signal
2: no I, I love that, mm-hmm. that I, it was um, who in uh, kentucky uh davis kim davis kim davis and did you just read about uh, she's back well she's back she's up for re-election but did you hear who's running against her the guy that she
3: denied a marriage license right. she actually had to sign the piece of paper or whatever to to uh, allow him into the race
2: yeah exactly so that's you know it's again it's a you know a bottom up we you know, people, how are we going to change? I mean, simple things like that. It's not a, a senator or a congressman or a governor, but it's somebody at a very local level that's making, obviously, national news will make a huge impact. Mm. Um, just, you know, win or lose, it's the issues are going to be out there. And things like that, encouraging, you know, this guy was a school teacher. Mm-hmm. This was the last, he just wanted to get married. He wasn't looking to run for office or anything. But these are the, this is what needs to happen in order for the voices to be heard, for the cho- changes to happen.
1: And I think you make a great point, Frankie, because if you look at the past year, I think that there really has been, in a certain way, like a fire lit under both Democrats and those who are kind of, might fall under the quote-unquote never-Trump uh, camp. I mean, I think one of the best, like, examples is looking at some of the special elections that took place really early on this month. You know, the be- to me, the fact that Danica Rome Wanna see? Uh, Gotta love Virginia. that. Yeah, yeah. Rad. Right. yeah, she was amazing, and you know the the funniest thing about it is that she didn't really run on her identity at exactly. all. She just ran on the idea of like, hey, here's this massive infrastructure project that's running through our neck of the woods. Let's make sure this gets done both on time and under budget <laughs> right. and it's like for some reason that, stay focused yeah like <laughs> just focusing on the right. issues somehow has become this miraculous thing like wow politicians are talking about the issues that actually affect us
2: <laughs> right so i guess maybe you know the icing on the cake is holding people accountable and people actually doing their jobs mm-hmm. you know and and so here's an opportunity and you know it's 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 a horrible world in the sense that i have to explain every day why trump is um our president's our president to my children, but it's it's things like this that, that are happening locally, you know, and, and also on the national level where, where, where Joe Schmo is getting involved, and we, we're finding our voice. We're not sitting back kind of allowing things to happen We're I think in past administrations that, you know, people that just didn't get involved, mm-hmm. and now you almost have to get involved, and we're excited to get involved because if you're not, you're going to get ran over. And I think everybody's finding that passion to, and that movement.
0: I wish it was everybody. There, there are cases where this is happening, but we live in the blueberry and the tomato soup. Um, yeah. It's not <clears throat> as powerful a movement as as it. It takes one needs voice to, to become. It takes one
2: voice. So I think it's there. You know, there's always going to be the naysayers out there, but it takes one voice. You know, it takes you know one hug, one kiss, one high five, to, to, to move it along. And I think that's that's where I focus on. My glass is always half full, <laughs> so I, I like to look at that.
1: Yeah, and I think it's honestly a great idea in a certain way to be optimistic about this because. In a certain way, I think the biggest way for us as a nation to sort of come together is just to, in a sense, remove the sense of othering, the alienation of various groups. I mean, it, and maybe I'm just sort of not redating myself, but uh, it might sort of reveal how young I am. To me, I always thought it was sort of interesting because growing up in Bloomington, I knew a lot about like members who are people who identified as queer or gay or lesbian. The thing that was interesting to me really was, in a sense, understanding and acknowledging that this became a like the the community itself evolved and became uh, more uh, complex and self-identified with more and more nuance. And it's sort of like. Well, as these individuals, you know, come to the public stage and, you know, prove that not only are they are nice people, but, you know, do their jobs well, you know, represent us fairly. That's going to win people over more than, you know, a single piece of legislation.
3: Oh, it'll win some people over. But you're also talking about respectability politics, which doesn't get us anywhere. All that all that is talking about it is a simulation and that that an oppressed class and becomes part of the ruling class and forgets the rest of the oppressed class. You know, and Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. like you really have to keep in mind intersectionality and. Um, like it's great that there's that there's queer and trans people that are coming into legislation and getting elected and things like that. But we have to. That's not good enough. You know, it's just like gay marriage isn't good enough. Right. Uh, <laughs> it, at the end of the day, that is just like a drop in the bucket of what actually needs to happen in this country. So um, where I agree that, you know, like some some of this is really positive and it is really encouraging and that, you um, and that sometimes the AS one single voice can make a difference. It really takes all of us thinking about everybody else all the time to really affect change and not just about our personal identities and oh this one great thing happened, so let's 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 chill out a second. You know, it's like mm-hmm. we're in a second we're in a civil second civil rights era um that is that is spanning that is intersectional and is spanning the board.
0: I, I, I find it so interesting because I I agree with what you're saying, but I think the common person's feeling was moving more accepting and I feel we are being fed um, hate. I I think politically it's being created and it's becoming more divisive because that is what we are being given a diet of. I, I think myself not being passable and going out to places beyond Bloomington By and large, people are getting better. But then I see with the political climate, the screw is being turned and the desire to make a more divisive America is... Divide and conquer. Well, th-
3: that's our capitalist overlords. And as long as we live in a capitalist, imperialist nation, that's not going to change. Uh, that is what our entire nation is founded on is conquering of the other, unfortunately. Um, and we sometimes find ourselves on one side of the fence and sometimes on the other. And so until we start really busting this system down completely, we're not going to get anywhere. It's going to get a little bit better and then it's going to get a whole lot worse.
2: I think, again, and, and showing the human side, showing the faces of where all of those initials are, who these people are, that's, that's important.
3: But Rachel, I'm sorry, I didn't want to discount what you said, because it is extremely important that you can walk in this world and not
0: be in immediate danger all of the time. Well, yeah, but thank you. Of course it is. But I think with the sentiment changing, the pendulum swinging to the better, I think there's a great effort politically to swing it back and not allow it to go there and i think that is where our work lies
1: Mm, absolutely correct
0: well we'll take
1: we'll be back with more news after a short music break
0: our featured artist tonight is culture club led by the uniquely flamboyant boy george Culture Club brought a mix of personal history, style, and sound to the airwaves in the early 80s. In October 1982, Culture Club's first album, Kissing to be Clever, was first released, topping out at 14 on the Billboard album charts. Kissing to be Clever was the start needed by Culture Club to start their own brand of style.
5: i yeah. It's true.
0: You were just listening to Do You Really Want to Hurt Me by Culture Club. We now turn to our second news story of the evening as we have a brief discussion regarding the recent change in medical policies that lo- that took place in England, Scotland, and Wales.
1: So this was sort of an interesting thing. I was doing a little bit of research, and I came across an article that mentioned uh, as we said, England, Scotland, Wales, are revising a public health policy. Uh, Currently, or well, previously, there was a requirement of one year of abstinence for gay men to be able to then go through the process in order to donate blood. This is actually relatively new because it only in 2011 did the uh those three countries england scotland and wales actually lift a full ban that prevented any gay men from donating blood at in really any context at this point the new policy requires three months of abstinence before testing and approval which is sort of an interesting discussion because if we actually look at this these days uh there's a lot of, like, we're, we're kind of been focusing around the idea of stigmatization of the LGBTQ community and, like, where this actually intersects with policy. And at least we can kind of say, well, look at the UK. Look at England, Scotland, Wales. They're making some progress. The, it's getting to a point where, at least in a very practical uh, field, we're seeing what looks to be attempts to kind of create equality. And they actually issue some decent uh, sort of logic to it. They said, you know, the three-month abstinence uh, requirement is because certain uh, viruses and diseases have a incubation time within an individual, and otherwise, if you were tested sooner, it might not come up. So I think there's sort of this interesting question right now where it is, you know, is this something that we can reasonably see happening in other places? And do we really think, you know, does this policy change actually help create a more beneficial or more accepting, you know, culture as a whole? At least with regards to that, you know, individuals interacting with the LGBTQ
0: community. So some countries, um Argentina, Spain, Portugal, South Africa and elsewhere just have a personal assessment that you have to sign. So so England's taking a step in that direction. Um, it seems interesting, this is God, right back to our first topic tonight of mm. not mentioning LGBT in AIDS Awareness Day if you can't give blood if you are in the LGBT community unless you go through hoops. And I guess I'd like to know what the what Spain, Portugal, Argentina, what they are finding with just using the personal assessment. Is it safe? And if so, then maybe we can adopt something like that. Or Britain. Mm-hmm. Not us, obviously.
1: <laughs> I think there's a lot of interesting issues when we start looking at um, specific populations and public health issues because there are certain unique circumstances. Sometimes um, the the one that always pops into my head, which I do not believe is uh, at all like contagious or can be transmitted, but um, people of African American or African descent have a vastly higher chance of sickle cell anemia. If not, I, it might only occur in people with you know, African ancestry. So there are at times very real very practical implications here about okay, well, where is there a line in the sand where it's like we we want to be in, respectful to a group, but we do need to acknowledge that there are some unique circumstances. And I think sometimes especially people in the US on the right really do kind of like jump on some of the like some older CDC research and stuff like that that talks about you know oh well there might be a higher transmission rate of STDs amongst gay men ergo we need to keep you know certain policies in place that would you know create these additional hoops
3: yeah, I think it's really complicated. I don't know enough about that to really speak intelligently to that specifically, but it does remind me of the war on drugs is that you, you introduce something. So, um, you know, the CIA introduced crack into economically disenfranchised uh, neighborhoods um, and then they marginalized and criminalized it. Um, same thing happened with AIDS. They knew about AIDS. They knew it was happening. They knew who it was affecting most and they let it go intentionally for uh, years and years and right, years. Right. And then it was marginalized and in some cases criminalized. Um, so, uh, uh, it is, um, it is against the law to, mm. to do certain things if you're HIV positive. So, um, uh, yeah it's hard to say like where where this came from uh how it started was was deeply seated uh in, in in hate and oppression um and so it's hard to kind of come back out of that that it seems like Well that they didn't have policy. the I
2: mean we've come leaps and bounds as far as testing goes and how they test the blood compared to when it when they you know an H uh, HIV first uh Came on the surface, and you know it was an epidemic, and you know. And well, it
3: took weeks to get your results right. back, and now it's instant. Yeah, you it know, you be, get yeah, five
2: right. minutes, and you're done. So it's, but you know, it's and it, it, it's. You, I haven't read, you know, a, um, I haven't given my blood for a long time, <laughs> but I think it's men who have sex with men. Mm-hmm. I think it's usually, and, and then it's it's kind of an honesty. And, and I always like, well, you know, the guy next to me, how do I know that, and how do they know that he's heterosexual and that's all he's having sex with? Or he's not an IV drug user, or okay. what it, you know, and, and, you know, from, again, I'm, I'm like, like you, I haven't, uh, d- you know, I'm not that educated on, on this topic at this point. But it's, you know, kind of, you know, it's just common sense when it comes down to it. And and again, I, I remember reading something about, you know, um, donating blood and um, you know the 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 person the laboratory was talking about. Just how you know the checks and balances you know are 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 really. It's, it's, this is 1980 stuff mm-hmm. that we're mm-hmm. looking mm-hmm. at. This, this is in 2017, and and it shouldn't be an issue at this point. Mm, absolutely. Um, and yeah, and I think you know people are, are afraid of the boogeyman,
1: and they want to point it out. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Frankie. I I definitely think we can modernize, but we're going to have to put this discussion on hold for a moment as we discuss upcoming events and weather at the top of the hour.
4: This is listener-supported WFHB, Bloomington, Bedford, Ellettsville, and Nashville, community radio for South Central Indiana, and online at wfhb.org. Right now, it's 26 degrees Fahrenheit in Bloomington. Tonight, the low will be around 15. Tomorrow, a high of 34 degrees with a low of 24 Friday night. And on Saturday, a 50% chance of snow with a high of 33. Bloomington Pride Film Festival is coming up, exploring the lives and experiences of the LGBTQ community through feature length and short films live performances that advocate community-wide attitudes of awareness, acceptance, and appreciation of diversity. The 2018 Bloomington Pride Film Festival will be held from Thursday, January 25th to Saturday the 27th at the Buskirk chumley Theater. Check bloomingtonpride.org backslash events for more details. The Gay, Lesbian, Bisexual, and Transgender Alumni Association is having their 10th annual celebration weekend in conjunction with the film festival. There will be two events as part of the celebration weekend. On Friday the 26th, January 26th, in the Tudor room in the IMU from four to 6 p.m. will include the GLBTAA scholarship presentations and the Distinguished Alumni Award. And on Saturday, January 27th, The evening reception will also be from 4 to 6 p.m., and it's an annual fundraiser with a silent auction benefiting the scholarship program. Now back to Blooming Out here on WFHB.
0: Welcome back to Blooming Out. We are now going to shift gears as we move into our interview with Bloomington Entrepreneur and local LGBT community staple. Okay, I'm going to change this sometime. It goes from (laughs) GLBT to LBGT uh, to our local T G B L Q. There you go, <laughs> Mama. Yeah, <I> mean. uh, <laughs> Nikki, um, owner of the back door. Thanks hi, for having Nikki. me. Hi, yeah. hi.
3: Thanks. Yeah,
1: great to have you on. How are you doing
3: today? <laughs> um, you know, the world's on fire and everything is terrible, but uh, <laughs> here we are in good community, so that's mm-hmm. that's nice. Yep. So
1: I guess you know, let's start off with the, our softball question. So, <laughs> as a co-owner of the back door, what is your vision of, or like your idealized version of how the bar interacts with the LGBTQ community now and ideally in the future?
3: Do you want my official agenda or my secret agenda? Your secret. My secret gay agenda? Mm-hmm. <laughs> my secret queer agenda is very queer. Um, uh, it is to, to uh, encourage uh, radicalization in, in some sort of way. Uh, and everyone's really afraid of that word, um, but it's necessary. Uh, we are, we are living in the twilight of the American Empire and uh, in the, you know late capitalism. And I think that having having an establishment that uh, you can be, you can really push the envelope and tell people what you think, and uh, you know do fundraisers for abortions and for margin, whoever is marginalized out there and needs a hand. Um, is really important and it teaches, it kind of sets a precedent in the rest of the community that other people can take chances in that way. And that it's not, um, it doesn't become a risk, it becomes an asset that people start actually wanting to, you know, wanting to go to your bar or to your establishment because you believe in stuff and you're not just trying to make a buck. I would love to make a buck, but I don't, don't, I'm a terrible capitalist, I'm not very good at it.
0: (laughs) Do you feel a shift in responsibility now that you guys are it, with Uncle E's gone, um, yeah, it's terrible. It is the back door.
3: It is. Um, Thank
0: you, by the way, for being there.
3: Oh no, no problem. You know, and it's it's a real shame. It's actually really sad that that Uncle E's um, closed, and you know, it, it, uh, really only a small part of of them closing was us. Um, I think I think we were just kind of the nail in the coffin. And location also, is what yeah, closed I mean, Uncle Elizabeth's. it's a location, and I think the owners were just kind of tired. And I get it; like it's exhausting. Running a bar, especially, is really exhausting. It's late hours. You know, uh, drunk adults are just overgrown toddlers. It's, um, it's, it's like running a kindergarten a lot. Um, but there's, of course, lots of, lots of wonderful things about it. Uh, but it's, um, it's a lot of responsibility, and especially with the uh, stands, the very – we have drawn a lot of lines in the sand um, as far as what we will tolerate in that space. And it's made it it's made it really frustrating and really really hard sometimes to to get up and do that every day. Um, it's it, totally worth it, and I wouldn't change anything. Um, it just uh, I'm really glad that the community is always there to support us supporting them, uh, because it's exhausting. It mm-hmm. really is. So, uh,
1: as you know, somebody who, as you said, is trying to encourage radicalism in a sense. Um, is there a way that we can kind of disrupt the status quo without sort of throwing the baby out with the bathwater um i think that's always an important question what is the baby um i mean i think honestly you know let's look at bloomington or you know uh the united states as a whole i think it, to a certain degree there's um you know we are seeing progress made however there's also you know if we look in the past, you know, two years, it seems like a lot of one step forward to maybe three steps back. Mm. But I think, you know, if we, you know, let in the context of our show, we've been talking about a lot of things that have happened in the last 30 years. You know, in a sense, you know, those past 30 years have been tremendously successful in a lot of ways for the LGBTQ community. You know, we have people being elected not only to state congresses but also you know the federal congress and representing our people we have officially acknowledged gay marriage as a right to all people you know it marriage is not exclusive to a man and a woman uh you know they're We're
3: represented in media which is really important mm-hmm. um uh you know the baby what is the baby you know it's so many things but uh, i think i think the most important part is that the needle has gotten pushed all over the place but as far as like um if you look at you know like the on a political on the political scene like the political needle has been pushed so far to the right mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you know like you look at bush 1 <laughs> and he had the same platform as like hillary clinton you know it's mm-hmm, just like mm-hmm. man so um, so at this point, it's gone so far that, yeah, great, we have, we have, we have, we're seen on television and we have radio shows and things like that. But we, we need to push a lot harder and reset the scales. And we still live in a country that accepts certain queer people that look a certain way that have a certain economic, social status. Um, and so until we're really fighting for the most marginalized within our community all the time, um, we, aren't, we aren't actually progressing.
1: Yeah, that's fair enough. I think that's, I mean, as a whole, um, <laughs> I always have a little bit of an odd stance only because I, as a cisgendered male, uh, it, it's, you know, a little different for me because I, I guess sometimes to me, I, I view it as an outsider looking in, mm-hmm. um, in the sense of me interacting with the LGBTQ community. Um, And so do you think that there are certain groups now that um, sort of the discussion has progressed and that certain, you know, there are there is more nuance to how people identify, how people, uh, you know, group together, how they uh, choose to express themselves. Do you think that in a sense there might have been new problems uncovered as or like new issues arose as these New groups sort of began to identify themselves and say like, hey, we we want the same recognition or we want to be recognized for who we are as well, simply than just being lumped under the sort of like LGBTQ or queer umbrella in a sense.
3: Yeah, I mean, people are finding new ways to self-identify all the time, and that's why, like, speaking to younger the younger generation and like kids in kids in high school and in their in their undergrad years is really important because I mean, they, those have always been the folks. If we look through history, that have really been really been pushing s- social issues and really opening our eyes. Like, regardless of what we think of young people, like they are the ones that like have have the most relevant, I think, <laughs> social voice. Like, they're mm-hmm. really. They're really pushing it. And so um, I think what we're seeing now is that uh, all of these young people are inspiring older people to come out as their identities. Um, rather, it be, uh, rather it be trans or like myself, like realizing that I am not a binary person, um, you know, which takes years and years and years of undoing my, my um you know, being socialized, how I was. Um, and that and that we're really starting to put put our thumbs, the rest of us who realize that we're a little bit more marginalized, figuring out where we are in the hierarchy, because there's always going to be one. You know, I am still a white middle class person. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter how marginalized I feel by my sexuality or by my gender. Um, I still have a lot of privilege. And so what am I going to do with that? And so it's also t- taking, like, cis white gay men to task about their politics and how... You know, like gay marriage was it? It was the fight for so long, and for so many people, that was completely irrelevant. Like that was completely missing the point. And to other people, that was all that there was. Is we have this, and it's, and it's gonna be great. And so, um, you know, I think I think we're. I don't think that that's a problem that the LGBT community is having a little bit of divisiveness. I think it's necessary because there is no one community. There's a bunch of different identities. Just kind of umbrella together and we have to figure out a way to to get along to help each other
2: um we will return with nikki after a short music break coming up is the iconic track karma camellia from colors by number
0: You've been listening to Karma Chameleon by Culture Club from the album Color by Numbers. Let's return to our discussion with local entrepreneur and activist and all-around awesome person, Nikki. Go on.
1: (laughs) 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 That's good. (laughs) And witty and got a great laugh. (laughs) I'm
3: going to come back every week. This is awesome.
1: So I think we had an interesting discussion over the break which is Um, sometimes people in Bloomington really don't know what to expect when they come to the back door. Like, is, is there some sort of specific feel or environment or, you know, that like first impression that you're really aiming for here?
3: Uh, No, not really. I just want everybody to be a cool dude, be a cool babe, and uh, come in and have a good time and not screw around with somebody else or their night. Um, I was really... And I think I've told the story. Yeah, I've seen before, you at work, so you so.
2: not screw with this thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have a very like I love fun
3: and I love people having a good time and I love facilitating a good time. But there's also like a hard line in the sand where you do not act a certain way. Right. And I think that should be every place. And I think Bloomington especially needs to be taught that lesson because sorry, but the city has let young frat boys just tear it apart you know like the the rape culture that is rampant that horrified me still horrifies so me so how
2: much is that responsible responsibility falls to the bars in that sense well i it making. starts with
3: the bars because it's you know it's like uh, it, it starts on what you allow to happen in your space. So um, first, the bar owner has to be aware that there's a problem, um, and then they have to make sure that their people are going to um, uh, responsibly handle a situation if it when it c- comes up. And then you have to empower your patrons to say something in the first place. And so there's a, there's a lot of different levels to it, and it has to do with everybody playing along. And that's kind of what happened when we first. Opened and started realizing that we really do need to have some very specific policies. So, do
2: you train your employees? Yeah, you we've have-
3: um, we've partnered up with Middleway House and um, they have actually expanded the program. But we do what we call a bystander intervention training program, and so we do that with our bartenders and staff and security staff. Um, and they've expanded it into d- like DJs and wow. things like that, like everybody and entertainers. Um, you know, we've also we work with our entertainers and our hosts on things to say. And Is this a coalition with mm-hmm.
2: other bars? As well, or is they have a, they have started this with other okay, bars, which okay. is really great. Mm-hmm. I think
3: uh, the Alice has been involved before, and I think other bars are starting to get more involved. And in, over the years, but hopefully. was this something
2: you guys started, or you were you were I was top on your radar at this? I
3: I know that uh, I think maybe the first one that they had with a bar was with us because I got um, a very concerned email from a woman from Middleway House. One of the first, it was like the first spring that we had hard alcohol because mm-hmm. we started with just beer and wine, um, and She disclosed to me, uh, obviously she couldn't give specifics, but that uh, four different